0: Well, I hope that um, you're turning your Bible to Hebrews chapter five, uh, verse eleven through six three. Um, last week, uh, Chet taught on the, uh, the call of discipleship um, from a you know really familiar passage of scripture. He did a great job of alliteration. I'm sorry. I will. I don't have a cool alliteration. My my apologies. But I want to talk about this morning. I want us to look at the scriptures together and think a few moments about the character of discipleship. And uh, well, let's just let's just go right there to Hebrews. And you know what? I better do that too, because I was I had Revelation five. I don't know why. So, you know, that's kind of funny. I asked you to turn there, and then I, uh, I didn't. Okay. Oh. Struggle. There it is. Um, Hebrews 5. Hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment (coughs) trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. Um... This morning as we think about um, the character of discipleship and look at this passage, I, I just want us to realize that there's a serious admonition in this passage of Scripture. And the writer of Hebrews communicates the seriousness of this admonition by these words. About this, I would like to say more, but you have become dull. Now, when someone is... Smart, intelligent, shows the ability to grasp difficult concepts and under and, and demonstrates understanding. What do we call them? Sharp. Sharp. That's right, man. They're sharp. That person is sharp. They have a sharp. They, their understanding is sharp. Their, their ability to grasp concepts, they're sharp. So if someone's dull, what does that mean? they don't get it they don't grasp the concept they don't have understanding when the writer of hebrews tells these these hebrew believers that they have become dull is he complimenting them no 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 he's saying you have a serious deficiency because see here's what he's done. the writer of Hebrews beginning in chapter one and all the way through up to where we pick up in chapter five, he is, he is presenting Christ to them. And, I mean he starts with Jesus being God. I mean he starts off by showing them, explaining to them, painting this word picture of Christ, starting off he's God. I mean, he's the exact imprint of God's nature. He's he's the same, you know, and and he's he's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. We're going. He's greater than the Levitical priests. In fact, he is a priest in the order of Melchizedek, the uh, you know high priest of God Most High. And so, all all of what the writer of Hebrews is sharing in. In chapters 1 through 5 is theologically rich, it is historically connected, it is a beautiful illustration, and the writer of Hebrews says, I'd like to say more about this. But you you don't you don't get it. You don't grasp it, you don't understand it. So The writer of Hebrews is pointing out, among these Hebrew believers, a serious deficiency. Because what he implies is, they ought to be able to grasp this. They ought to have understanding of this. And in fact, for the writer of Hebrews, I think he sees this information as really kind of elementary. I mean, we look back from our, um, our historical perspective... You know, we're, well, except for maybe one among us, we're not Hebrews. Right? There's perhaps one among us who is. But the rest of us, we're, we're, not, we're not Hebrews. We don't have this, um, this background of Judaism. I mean, we, we, we've read the Old Testament. We have that knowledge and hopefully that understanding. But, you know, we didn't live this. And, and the people that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, they lived it. Okay, they, 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 they ought to know, <laughs> you know, who Moses is. They ought to know about angels. They ought to know about Levitical priests. They ought to know about Melchizedek. They ought to know about all of these things. And now that they follow Christ, they ought to see how all that fits into who Christ is. They ought to just know it and see it. It ought to be second nature. But there's a deficiency because there are two expectations that have gone unmet the writer of Hebrews expresses to these Hebrew believers, these Hebrew Christians, that there are two expectations that they have not met. And the first is that they would be a growing, maturing disciple. More than once in the passage that I read, he says, he he, he says, let's go on to maturity. Or he says that solid food is for the mature. (coughs) Milk is for the immature. Solid food is for the mature. Uh, Now, let's move on from these elementary things, and let's move on towards maturity in Christ. The expectation is that those who belong to Jesus would be growing and maturing as a disciple. And if we're not then guess what category we fall into? Dull. Dull. We're into the dull category. We become dull if we're not growing and maturing as a disciple. But there's another expectation that the writer of Hebrews um, expresses, and it's that we would be a disciple-maker. He says... By this time, you should be teaching. You should be teaching others, but you still need someone to teach you. The, the expectation is you would be teaching others how to grow and mature as a follower of Christ. You know, the writer of Hebrews is not saying that that every believer needs to, to, to be, in, be able to do um, what I'm doing right now. To stand or sit on a stool in front of, or a big red chair that I don't have today. Um, uh, you know, to, to, to stand before and have a, a class or a congregation and and teach expositionally through the scriptures or whatever. He's, he's not saying that. Not, not Every believer does not have to have a public teaching, ministry that's imbued with some kind of spiritual authority. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that every believer ought to be teaching someone else how to follow Christ. They ought to be teaching a younger, less mature believer how to how to be a follower of Christ? They should be discipling someone else. That's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about when he expresses this expectation that they would be a teacher, they would be a dis- they would be a disciple maker. So there are these two expectations that are being that are unmet in the Hebrew believers. One is that they would be a growing, maturing disciple. The other is that they would be a disciple maker. Guess what? If you and I aren't being those two things, guess what category we fall into? Dull. Dull. Right. We fall into that dull category. Because they're not just dull because they're not maturing. They're also dull because they're not teaching. They're not discipling. They're not making disciples. They're not investing themselves into others and teaching and showing them how to follow Christ. How to grow and mature in Him. So, um, what do we do? How, how do we get past this dullness and how do we fulfill those expectations? Well, uh, the writer of Hebrews gives us two responsibilities. There are two responsibilities involved in in being a maturing, growing or growing, maturing disciple and being a disciple maker. And the first is um, to be skilled in the word. Okay? Alright? And You know, I always use this illustration, and so you've probably heard it, but it's it's the one that really works for me. Um, uh, all of you guys know, uh, oh, many of you know, that my oldest son, Sandy, who just turned 19, is in the Marine Corps. Uh, well, when he was in high school this freshman year, he played football. He was on the Centennial football team his freshman year. and um, And it was really funny those of you who are close to our, closer to our family than others, hopefully you are all close to our family because we are a family. But um, those of you who are a little closer to our family know that Sandy, you know, hasn't always been the best of students, okay? And, and in fact, uh, Judy and I were just the other day in the car and we drove by one of, Sandy's old middle school. <laughs> and, 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 I'm telling this story because Sandy's no longer in this place in his life. God has done a work in Sandy's life, and I don't mean this to be embarrassing to my son. I'm very proud of Sandy. In fact, he's in Maryland now and he's, uh, he's doing he's getting ready to start his uh, welding training in the Marine Corps and he's just he's really excelled and he growing his walk with Christ. I'm excited and proud of him in all those areas. But it's this time in his life when he was in middle school. <laughs> I don't know why this is funny. <laughs> Judy's sitting with his teachers <laughs> he was flunking every class and he was on the wrestling team at a wrestling meet and you're like how does that work how how do you how do you how do you have an F in every class and aren't ineligible for the wrestling team i don't know how that happened but you like, Sage wasn't a very good student in in middle school, and really it wasn't until his senior year in high school that that he was that he actually cared about doing well in school. But but when he was a freshman on the football team, man, he brought that playbook home every night. I can remember, you know, going up, knocking on his door, going to his room, and he'd be laying there in his bed studying the playbook. English book. Probably left it at school. Math book, nowhere to be found. Social studies, never heard of it. Football playbook, it's right there. He's studying. Just flip, man, he's studying that playbook. You know, Sandy, his freshman year, was the starting defensive end and the starting center. Now, those of you who know Sandy, you're like, what? He's like, this lot. You know, but uh, Sandy was skilled. Sandy knew the playbook. He knew it. He was a starting player on the freshman football team. He knew the playbook. Um, that's what being skilled in the Word is, is that we know the Word of God. We, we, we just know it. We're skilled in it and we know it. That is, that is a responsibility of a growing, maturing disciple. That is a responsibility of a disciple maker. That they be skilled in the Word of God. That they be skilled in the Word in the Scriptures, that they know the Bible. So, if you and I are unskilled in the Word, what category do we fit into? Dull. Dull. That's right. That is right. Amen, sister. Okay? There's another responsibility. To be a practitioner of the Word. He says that those who um verse yeah 14 but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil okay so there's not just this being skilled in knowing the word, but being a practitioner of it, practicing it. The Hebrews says those who are on solid food, those who are counted as mature, not only are they skilled in the word of righteousness, but they, their, their powers of discernment have been trained because of constant practice of the word of righteousness. By practicing, by being a practitioner of the word, they are, they are mature. And they are a disciple. They are, they are a growing, maturing disciple, and they're a disciple maker because they practice. Let me go back to Sandy. You know what? Sandy studied that football playbook, and he was very skilled. But you know what? That isn't all the football team did. You see, every day after school, everybody on the freshman football team got together, and they had some coaches. And guess what they did? They practiced. They practiced what was in the playbook. You know, it wasn't enough to know the playbook, show up on game day, and play. What do you think would have happened if that's all they would have done? I mean, know the playbook forward and backwards. Show up on game day and try to play. They would stink. They would lose every game. They, 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 it would would just, it would be horrible. It would be, it would be silly. Be ruthless, worthless. But they practiced every day after school, and they had coaches who knew the playbook a little better than them, and helped them practice what was in the playbook, line up, and block, and 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 you know stay in your gaps, and I mean all those things, you know. Uh, Sandy had to practice the shotgun snap he was the center. You know, so he had to practice the shotgun snap. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not that easy. You don't learn the shotgun snap by reading the playbook. okay? That happens through constant practice. And he got pretty good. He got really good at it. Um, that's what needs to happen. That's what has to happen in our life concerning the word of righteousness, the word of God, the scriptures. Not only do we need to know them, be skilled, but also we have to practice them. We have to put them into into life. They have to become living. They have to come to life in our lives. We we must become practitioners of the word. If we're going to be growing, maturing disciples, and if we're going to be disciple makers, then we've got to be skilled in the word, and we have to be practitioners of the word. And now, you might be thinking, Jim, you probably could have. You know, because on, on your PowerPoint there, you, you probably could have said that in a way that isn't quite as awkward. Like, you know, be be a growing, maturing disciple. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? Like, I don't really need the word be. I could just say, you know, oh, and, 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 but I, I put the word be uh, very intentionally. Because these are not things that we do. They're things that we are. Okay, that, that's, why, that's why I use the word be very intentionally, because back when I was in school, um, I think now they call that like a helping verb or something like that. Is that what it's called now, a helping verb? I don't know, that's, that's, it's a state of being, okay. It's a state of, that, the word be, that, that, that's a state of being, and it, and it basically communicates this is the way it is. You know, and so the way it is is that we're growing mature disciples. The way it is, we're disciple makers. The way it is, we're skilled in the Word. The way it is, we're practitioners of the Word. Those those are realities, not possible. Those are realities for us as followers of Christ who are not and don't want to be in that dull category. So this is more about what we are than it is what we do. Though there's activity there, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's activity. And, and let's face it, we do some things so that we can become something, right? So if we're going to be uh, a growing, maturing disciple, then we've got to do some things. That's true. There's some activity, but the doing is not the end. The becoming is the end. It's what we become, what we are. When we when we are be a growing, maturing disciple, that's the that's the end. The means that we get there might be some things that we do, like you know, constant reading of the scriptures and studying of the scriptures and discussing the scriptures and memorizing the scriptures and, and, and then practicing the scriptures and having accountability relationships and I mean, and on and on and on those things that I could, could and probably will eventually talk about. So, how do we get there? H- how do we get to the two expectations and the two responsibilities? H- how do we get there? Well, first, and, and when I say we, how do we get there? I, I, I'm referring to primarily how do we as a church, how do we as Redeemer Church get there? You know. Now, how do we as individuals get there? That that here's the, here's the great thing. That question gets answered when we answer the question of how we as a congregation, how we as a church get there. Well, we get there first of all biblically. Okay. Um, in two weeks. Chet and I both have taught from the scriptures, from the Bible, about discipleship, okay? And here's the great thing, there's there's plenty more, there's plenty more in the Bible about being a disciple and how we become disciples and how we disciple others, that's there. We don't need to, as a church, go outside of the scriptures to to find out how we're going to be disciples and be disciple makers, now, does that mean that we can never use extra-biblical curriculum? No. We can use curriculum, but it's going to be biblically-based curriculum. Does it, does it mean we, can't, we won't have a strategy? Of course we'll have a strategy, because, uh, well, first of all, intentionally. We'll have a strategy, because strategically is one of the ways that we're going to get there. But we also need to get there intentionally. So biblically, we get there biblically by by... Studying and following the biblical pattern, the biblical teaching, and the biblical material for making disciples. By being biblical. That's, that's one way we'll get there. Another way is we're going to get there intentionally. Okay. Why was the writer of Hebrews addressing this issue with the Hebrew believers? This issue of you know, not being growing, maturing disciples, not being disciple-makers. Why was he addressing it with them? Because they weren't doing it? It wasn't true about them? There was a deficiency? Would you agree? Someone say yes or no. Okay, alright, thank you. Alright, yeah. There was a deficiency. They weren't doing it. They, 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 They weren't intentional about it. Now, here's the reality. Being a disciple... And being a disciple-maker, being a growing, maturing disciple, being a disciple-maker does not happen by accident. Okay? It just doesn't. It's not one of these things we stumble upon. Like, oh, wow, I wasn't even trying, and I'm a mature believer. I'm a a mature Christian. I didn't even try. I wasn't even even thinking about it. Or, wow, I discipled four people and didn't even know I was doing it. Um, No, man, these things happen intentionally, on purpose, with intent on our part. And so how we're going to get to being growing, maturing disciples and being disciple makers is we're going to get there intentionally. We're going to be purposeful about that. We're going to do it on purpose, with intent. Making disciples is our intent. Isn't that kind of the call of discipleship that Chet talked about? And taught taught about last week. Yes. I, I, yes. Thank you. I hear that. I hear that. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, that's what it's about. And so we're going to be intentional. On we're going to be purposeful. On purpose with intent in this area of making being disciples and making disciples. And then yeah, we need to be strategic about it. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna get there strategically. Okay. Um. Here's the, here's the thing about strategy, okay? Um, we might think that strategy is not a biblical concept. I think that would be an error. Um, I, I, I think Jesus gave multiple strategies in the Bible. Here's one. Count the cost. Count the cost. Don't be like a man who decided to build a tower... And he laid the foundation, and after he laid the foundation, he decided he didn't have enough to finish. Okay? And then everybody looked at this half finished tower and said, oh, look, <laughs> that guy started and he couldn't finish. You know? And, uh, of course, and of course, back then, there was no HGTV to come in and finish your unfinished project. Okay, we have that now. but So, that's a strategy. Counting the cost of being a disciple, before you step into it, is a strategy. One that Jesus gave We're going to be strategic as we make disciples. So, and then we're going to do it communally, or in community. That's the other thing. If we are to make disciples, what does that imply? How many people are going to be involved everybody everyone yeah no one becomes a disciple by themselves this whole this whole word discipleship and this whole practice of disciple making that ultimately Jesus himself gave us the pattern for in his interaction with his disciples okay that's all done in community among people not a person by themselves becoming a growing, maturing disciple, and there's no way you're going to be a disciple-maker without being in a relationship with someone and doing that in community. So we're going to get there to this being disciples and being disciple-makers. We're going to get there in community as we do this together. Okay? Uh, So then, what's it look like? Well, um, it could look a number of ways. Here's one I want to suggest to you. I know, isn't this crazy? Because I'm definitely not generally the structure, flowchart kind of guy. I'm usually the very organic and, oh, don't don't put a program with her. That'll ruin it. You know I you know that. Basically, Chet made it. <laughs> no, that's, I'm just kidding. He did not. I'm sorry. I just wanted to make you look like that. All right. This is a... a, a ...possible picture of what... ...discipleship can look like at Redeemer. Um, And it starts with... ...our large worship gathering. Okay? That is a discipleship opportunity. I mean, we're worshiping together... ...in community. There's teaching from the biblical material. There's relationship happening. That is... ...a place where discipleship... ...could and should... ...take place... So that that's once and, and the word "open" that sense essentially means you know, anybody can come to that. anybody anybody come to that? That's just open to anybody from from the you know uh, mocking sarcastic atheist friend to you know um, John Piper, RC Sproul. I don't know, you know, Rob Bell. Okay. Oh, and so that that's that's one opportunity, but that's not the only opportunity, nor should that be the only opportunity. Then, we have these other opportunities, community groups. Community groups. We actually have community groups now. Uh, And community groups have six to 12 people, okay? So there's, it's a smaller group of people, but it's still in community. And those are focused (coughs) on building community, Caring for one another and studying the scriptures. And guess what? Again, that's another incubator, another place where discipleship could and should be taking place because there's, we're studying the biblical material. Um, because we're in community and building that community, there's relationship with one another. There's, there's care, love, and concern. Those things are happening in community groups. And also, those are open opportunities. Again, a community group is something anybody can come to. Anybody can be involved in a community group. That's something that, again, you can invite and bring along, you know, the person who would not call themselves a Christ follower to the person who considers themselves, you know, a growing, maturing believer. That's still, there's still an opportunity for discipleship there. And then finally, there's Life Transformation Group. Okay? And Life Transformation Group has three to four people. Okay? And it is... It's, it's, for the most part closed. That the, the life transformation group is not necessarily a gathering that you would invite just anybody to. Now, does that mean that, you know, they're completely closed and no one new ever comes to the one? No, not at all. But when someone is connected in these other ways and then moves to a life transformation group, that's fine. Okay? But here's what happens in a life transformation group accountability. Okay? This is maybe more intensive. Discipleship. There's, there's again, focus on the biblical material, studying the scriptures, um, but that's a smaller group, so that's more one-on-one, more life investment in, in each other, uh, and the accountability factor increases um, the opportunity for discipleship. Okay, and here's the great thing: we already have all of these things happening at Redeemer um so we've we've been geared up and ready for discipleship all along you know it's that let's be intentional, biblical, intentional you know strategic communal about our discipleship in this context. Now does that mean that this is the only place discipleship can take place? No, it isn't in fact, you know um, there's another, Real important place where discipleship takes place, that's in the family. Okay? Of course, that's under. And, and here's the thing: these, you know, family ministry and discipleship and evangelism, those things aren't, you know, segments that, that don't. Interact and overlap. You know, those aren't compartments of our life and compartments of our church's ministry. The, those all happen together in simultaneously because you know there are families and community groups, and so there's you know discipleship going a couple different directions there. But I'm not saying this is the only place that discipleship can happen, but this is what discipleship can look like at Redeemer Church. And so I want to encourage you if you you know find out where you are on this chart. Are you are you right here? Large worship gathering, um, great. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here for the large worship gathering. But I want to encourage you, there's some other opportunities that would love to see you involved in. A community group. And then a life transformation group. Okay? And maybe you're like, well, I didn't know those things were available. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you didn't know. That means I have not done a very good job of communicating these opportunities to you. So I'm taking that opportunity now to communicate this to you. There are plenty of ways for you to get plugged in and involved in becoming, being a growing, maturing disciple. And being a disciple maker. Um, and uh, I, mean, I, I, I want you. <laughs> I, I want you involved in, in this discipleship. This thing that we call discipleship in the way that we've structured it. So if you have questions about that, you can talk to me afterwards this morning, and I'd love to tell you about that. Um, does anybody have any, as you look at this, is, is this clear? Does anybody have any questions about what that might look like? Does anybody want to know when community groups, some of the community groups are Because I can tell you that, too. There's one on Tuesday night and one on Wednesday night right now. Tuesday night at 6.30 at my house, Wednesday night at 5.00. Ish? Five thirty. Yeah, five thirty at the Daniels. And then there's always the opportunity for more community groups to spring up and and, and 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 get moving. Okay. Now practical questions. Some practical questions for you. For us. This is for us. These are the ones that I I, I need you to meditate on these questions. And I'm asking you to answer these questions in your heart before the Lord. Are you a maturing, growing, maturing disciple? Does that describe you? I mean, I'm not asking you, are, have you reached maturity? Are you there? Not asking that. You know, discipleship is a process. Okay? I understand that. The Scripture presents it that way. We understand discipleship is a process. I'm not asking you, have you arrived? Are you mature? I'm saying, are you in the process? Are you moving forward in that process? Are you, not Not are you grown and are you mature, but are you growing in the process and are you maturing in the process? Is that true about you? Are you skilled in the Word? In other words, are you, do you know the Word of God? Are you in the process of knowing it? Uh, again, obviously, the Scriptures are rich <laughs> um, and, and we may not and know all about them, not everything, um, but do you know the scriptures? Are you in the Word? Um, are you a practitioner of the Word? Does the Word, you know, I ask first: Are you in the Word? Meaning, are you reading, studying, involved? But the practitioner part is: Is it in you? <laughs> is the Word in you? That that would be the practitioner part. Are you a disciple maker? Who are you discipling? How are you discipling? And then I think the last question that I would ask of us, and I, you know, guys, I want you to hear me on this. I am, I am asking myself the questions as well. These are questions I'm asking all of us to deal with. Okay, it's not just you all and then me up here. I mean, we as a, as a body. As a community of faith, as a church, we need to deal with these questions. And then finally, will you? That's the last question. Will you? Will you be a growing, maturing disciple who's skilled in the word and a practitioner of the word? You know, will you be a disciple maker who's discipling someone very intentionally and involved in that kind of relationship? Will you? Will you? Um, i want to ask you to just bow your heads with me and we'll uh, pray. Heavenly Father, um, your word makes it clear. We're called to be disciples and to be disciple-makers. Um, God, thank you for teaching us that from your word. And our prayer is that we, um, we would be growing, maturing disciples, that we would be disciple-makers intentionally, biblically, strategically, communally, being and making disciples. God, we confess that that's not something we do on our own. That's something only that you empower us by your spirit. Yet also, God, we understand it's an area that we can either walk in obedience or walk in disobedience. So Father, I pray that we would be those who walk in obedience, being disciples, being disciple-makers. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.